Hello Grace, this your wellness sister, Annalisa. Remember it's time to take a break. At Metazon we put your well-being first. It is our top priority. Please take a 20-minute break, so long as you have updated the Excel files sent you at 9.17 this morning. Be well, be happy, work with purpose. Thank you. Oh no, the Excel files! Bloody hell! You must complete your 20-minute wellness break. Here are some dolphin sounds to help you relax. Your Excel files are due in 10 minutes. Well, Annalisa, how does your sad little AI brain think I can relax when these files are due? Grace, your contract mandates 20-minute well-being breaks and so you are scheduled to take that break at this time. To help you, here are some inspiring sounds. No, no, no! Welcome to the South Mims U podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking about what our sociology department has called the great wellness burnout that's gathering pace across the world. More and more corporations are offering their staff wellness programs to help them cope with the stress of the modern workday. The aim is to support employees in achieving a good work-life balance, promote good mental health and, of course, boost productivity. The problem is that the rates of burnout, which have been rising fast over the last decade, have continued to get worse. To talk about what's happening, I have with me in the studio Marcus Corrode. Uh, it's Corrode. Is this an accent on the E? Oh, Corrode. OK, sorry, so I, did, I didn't see the accent. That's OK. I'm used to it. Right, so Marcus, your research sounds fascinating. You've found that the corporate wellness industry is actually increasing rates of stress in the workplace and leading to more burnout amongst employees. Is that right? Uh, that's right. Over the last few years, there's been a rapid rise in employers offering wellness programmes to their employees. <laughs> I say offer, but actually they're being mandated. And what happens is the wellness sessions and activities become part of the work and they add to the stress. But that doesn't make sense. I mean, why would employers do that? Because it looks good. Worrying about the well-being of your people looks good. It proves you're a caring employer. And wellness providers convince management that it's actually good for the bottom line. Happy workers are more productive, take fewer sick days and are, they argue, more willing to go the extra mile for the company. Is that true? It is not. It's just wellness industry marketing, but the corporations fall for it. And it costs a lot of money, right? Oh, it costs money. But not as much as making workers happy by paying them more for their work. Wellness, in our view, is a way of trying to extract more value from workers through gimmicks. Well, that sounds very uh, cynical, doesn't it, Marcus? Well, you played that recording of our colleague Grace. She works, I mean, she worked for a large multinational and found that when a corporate wellness programme was imposed on her, her stress levels went through the roof. This happened during the pandemic, and she was working from home with all the stresses that came with turning your home into a surrogate office, and then, ostensibly, to ease the stress of lockdown, a new wellness programme was introduced. Only, it wasn't optional. Well, why wasn't it optional? 
Well, the company sets specific metrics to measure the effectiveness of the program. Simply, they wanted to prove that they got tangible value for money they spent on the wellness activities. Well, they wanted to measure the return on investment. That's right. The so-called ROI. It wasn't about helping people. It was about cold, hard cash and marketing. Marketing? Well, they produced a video about the programme. They put a glossy section in their annual report. They brought in business journalists to write about the programme. And they faked scenes of board members meditating while doing Pilates, walking in parks and listening to Tibetan chants or whale music. Right, well, that does sound cynical. Well, there's a dark side to wellness that is seldom reported on. And you're right, uh, very few articles appear when you search for the dark side of wellness. Well, that's because wellness is a huge industry. In 2021, the global health and wellness industry grew to 4.5 trillion dollars. And most of that number is accounted for by individual spending. You know, on gyms, Zumba classes, mindfulness apps, and so on. But the corporate sector in the USA spent $7.2 billion in 2021, and it's estimated that will grow to $97 billion by 2027. So you can see there's going to be a steep rise in wellness program provision. Those figures are for America, but you know, the UK is catching up fast then I can see why the wellness industry is so keen to cover up the dark side. <laughs> it is. And we've even been threatened by legal action by a large wellness provider that's headquartered close to South Mins. Not uh, uh, You can't uh, mention them. You'll get sued if you do. Oh, right, OK. Well, <laughs> thank you for telling me. OK, so your point is that it's the corporate wellness programmes that are the problem, not all those apps and internet-connected bikes that uh, people buy of their own accord, right? Yeah, sure, sure. It's up to you if you want to spend a lot of money on an exercise bike that comes with online classes and trainers and so on. That's your choice. The dark side comes when the company makes you take your well-being seriously. Not for your own good, but for the good of the company's bottom line and its image. Though, let's be honest, many more people need to take their health more seriously. I mean, both, uh, you know, uh, physical and mental. I mean, physical, mental and, uh, well, of you, know, course. you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, of course. Yes, yes. I'm not disputing that. I, I mean, I just wanted to check. Yeah. Oh, I see. No, sorry. I mean, no, no. Let's let's talk about... Um, you were about to refer to... I, oh, no, I wasn't. I wasn't, honestly. The fact that I am oversized? No, no, that n never entered my mind. Oh, come on. Be honest. You look at me and you see someone who is 350 pounds, 25 stone, a big fat guy, a triple XL sociologist, and you think, I have an agenda, right? Not at all. No, not at all. Look, I'm not accusing you of anything. I'm just pointing out what happens a lot. In fact, the media always refer to me as the big angry sociologist who hates exercise. Well, that's, that's horrible. Well, journalists are horrible. Well, I wasn't even going to mention the fact that... Um, um... That I'm fat. I don't mind the word fat. Fat is good. I'm fat. It's your research. 
that counts, Marcus? My research was sparked by my experience in the corporate world. Oh, really? Really? Can you tell us about that? Well, I worked for a large American tech company. I was their sociologist in residence. That was about three years uh, sorry, ago. Sorry, a, a sociologist in residence? Really? Really. Most of the tech giants hire sociologists and anthropologists, even philosophers, to research how people use their tech. And in truth, how that tech can be made more addictive while coming up with theories to counter those who argue that tech is bad for us. Oh, I see. More smoke and mirrors. Just like the whole wellness thing, right? Exactly. Before I tell you the story, here's another clip from the recordings Grace made. It illustrates what happened to me. It's actually happening more and more. OK, well, let's hear it. Hello Grace, it's your wellness sister, Annalisa. You're working really well, but you have not achieved your step goal for the day. You are 1,457 short of the team goal. Not hitting your goal will lose points for your team in the Spring Step Challenge and those great prizes, including a weekend for two on the Hall Riviera, will be out of the entire team's reach. Please step up to the challenge. Thank you. I've got to finish this bloody report by the end of the day, dear Annalisa, you AI Nazi bitch. You're not walking, Grace. Let's walk for better physical and mental health. Oh, piss off, Annalisa. As you can hear, Grace wasn't happy. I don't quite understand. The company set a step challenge. I mean, how do they measure that? Well, every employee was given a step tracker, a Fitbit, and they were set the goal of doing 10,000 steps a day, not just as individuals, but as a team. And that was linked to a weight loss programme. OK, so more exercise and falling BMIs, right? Well put. So the company guilts people out by linking them together and then sharing the number of steps everyone does and then ranks the teams. So if you don't hit or exceed the target, you will be seen to be letting the others down. And the weight loss helps boost the team's ranking, right? It does. Oh, well, that's, that's horrible, really. It gets worse. In my case... We were handed fitness trackers and told that the team that lost the most weight over a three-month period would win an extra week's vacation that year. OK, um... Oh, but... hmm, I think your brain is working out why this was problematic for me. Uh, uh, you found it hard to lose the weight? No, it made me a very popular potential team member. I don't, I don't get it. Teams competed to get me to sign on with them because they worked out that if I took the challenge seriously, I could lose a lot of weight. A serious amount of weight, because obviously I started off with more than any of the others. Oh, right. So by having you on the team... They were guaranteed big results. Well, I mean, that made you popular then. It was cruel. It was humiliating. I refused to join. Sure, sure, of course, I, I, can, I can see that. I left the company soon after. And all because they imposed this wellness programme. Well, that inspired me to start a research project on the subject, and South Mims allowed me to do it. Well, we're a cutting-edge university. That's certainly true. Have things got worse since you had that experience? Well, they have. 
and the lockdowns we all had to go through made it worse. Not because of the lockdowns themselves, but the corporate efforts to try and drive their wellness agenda. And why did that happen? Well, again, it was about the corporate marketing. Companies wanted to be seen to be helping their people when, in truth, they were actually getting more work out of them because they were at home. And suddenly, the time it used to take to commute to work was filled with work. And work spilled across breaks and into the evenings. And Zoom and Teams calls spread out and filled the day. And people actually ended up more stressed than they'd ever been. Is that just anecdotal, or has there been research into it? The research shows that in most cases, that's what's happened. Stress levels and burnout rose during the pandemic. That's after many of these programmes were initiated and rolled out. Journalist Jennifer Moss wrote a book recently called The Burnout Epidemic, and she documented this phenomenon. She found that because companies were so desperate to be seen to be doing something positive, they initiated wellness Zoom calls and scheduled them for the employees. But of course, they clashed with a host of other calls, and that caused more stress and lengthened the working days, and, well, burnout rose. You mentioned burnout. I mean, that's a word I've been hearing much more recently. It's long been a problem, of course, but the concept itself, and the word, is fairly recent. It's tiredness, a sense you're going nowhere and nothing you're doing makes any difference to you or the organisation you work for. And it makes you dull and tired and saps your creativity. You've experienced it yourself, clearly. <sighs> I have. It's also about boredom. In France, actually, they have a great word for it. Bore out. Work becomes so routine and dull and pointless that you get fundamentally bored and nothing makes sense. You're so bored you become a working zombie. Bore out. I, I like that. My research shows that when you try and intervene and set tasks to make people feel better, you achieve the exact opposite. So wellness leads to burnout. Wellness causes burnout. It makes burnout worse. It makes boring work even more boring. And that sounds really stressful. It's highly stressful. What happens is that all the New Age music and whale noises and Tibetan bells and exhortations to take a moment and be still just causes stress levels to rise. And that's been documented too. Moss's book quotes a psychologist who says, First, well-being becomes an additional job that employees must do on top of an already stressful day. Second, it gives the impression that work cannot be enjoyed in itself and requires frills to be enjoyed, like putting ketchup on perfectly good beans. <laughs> well, actually, I quite like ketchup on beans. Mm. Well, it's not the best metaphor, but you get the point. No, oh, I do, I do. The big point that the psychologist makes is about work itself. What, too much work? No, no, no. The fact that most of us, if we actually like the work we do, don't need to be given any support to be healthy and well and mentally content. If we're allowed to do our best work and it has a specific point, then that's good enough for most of us. Right. So if the work is fulfilling, that's the key to wellness. Exactly. That's what I argue in my article about the research project. So the best advice is, if you're feeling burned out, if you're bored out your skull, 
Find work that matches your skills and ambitions and has an actual point to it, and then you will be happier and wiser and... And well. So, what happened to Grace? Well, you can hear what happened to Grace. Okay, well, great, let's play it. Hello, Grace. It's time for your five-minute dream time. You selected swimming with dolphins. Please sit back and relax and clear your mind. That's it! I've had enough! Are you feeling relaxed? Think of that sparkling warm water and those friendly, intelligent dolphins. And Elisa, how about you think about a hammer and a smashed processor? Grace, you're not making sense. You still have four minutes, 34 seconds of relaxing meditation. And you don't. Now that was relaxing. Actually, that was very relaxing. It's the best answer to burnout. Well, that's been fascinating, Marcus Corroday. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And I'd just like to say to your listeners, take care of your physical and mental well-being in your own way. Reclaim your time from your employer. Work the hours you have to and want to, but don't let your employer encroach on your personal time. Relax the way you want to relax. Work the way you want to work. And do the work that makes you feel fulfilled. And if you don't feel fulfilled, find work that does. That's great advice, Marcus. OK, so we've come to the end of this episode of the South Mims U podcast. Uh, please subscribe and tell your friends about us. There are a lot more podcasts on an array of subjects where you found this one. And remember, we're not in the business of wellness. We're in the business of exercising your brain and your soul. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs>